0: Why, happy Salween Wanderers and Wayfarers, and welcome back to Bear Stone County. This season, we'll be paying a visit to the Eastern Slopes, where our friends Constance Danberg and the Cleary family are terrorized by a nameless monster with a curious predilection for playing dress-up. But first, let's divert our travels on over to the plains and visit the mysterious town of Blackchapel. A town which can only be found when it wants to be. As always, this show contains explicit language and graphic content of all kinds and is not suitable for sensitive listeners or anyone under the age of 18. Listener discretion is highly advised. (laughs) swelter seeps like quiet fury from the pores of the earth, distorting the landscape of chola cacti, desert lilies, and pinion pines behind ripples of liquid glass. He feels the waves crawl over his skin and plunge into his nostrils, scrambling his sparse thoughts focused only on the next step, the next empty gasp. A perpetual cough rattles in his lungs and a searing pain spreads over his sandy tongue covered in canker sores and swirling with the faint taste of blood. Aside from the tattered rags on his back, all he carries with him is the weight of his existence, a torment that has molded him, though it no longer bears any substantial semblance to memories, only a vague loathing festering in his blood like venom, patiently hating, waiting for the next kill. The ground sways beneath his blistered soles and the spotty, high noon shadows grab at his heels as he struggles to ascend the shallow foothill before him. A coyote carcass buzzes to his left, infested with flies skittering across its mangled face, mouth gaping open, flues pulled back bearing its chipped incisors and canines at whatever imaginary enemy awaits it in the afterlife. To his right, an unseen rattlesnake shivers among the scattered stones, merely a gratuitous admonishment, and he veers away from it, stumbling over the dead coyote and falling into the dirt. He flips to his back and scours the empty sky, resting his eyes on a shapeless wisp of clouds skittering toward the pale sun. Flecks of shade cover his eyes as he rolls them to the side, willing his body to move, then stands in a single, precarious motion. The blood in his head swirls, nearly yanking him back to the ground, but he steadies himself and incrementally pulls his eyes to the top of the hill. Step by step, his feet pull him up the hill as if by their own volition, and he stops at the top, peering through the ripples of heat dispersed across the fallow land. A mile or so to the northeast, he spots a black spire breaching the waves, seemingly shrouded in shadows of an unseen source. Carefully, he begins traipsing down the hill toward the building in the distance. For the better part of two hours, he stumbles through the thicket, swaying heavily in the imaginary breeze, his brain swimming inside of his skull, soaked with a layer of grimy sweat. Desultory carcasses blanket the ground, all in various phases of decomposition, littering the landscape in a violent cacophony of flies. Swelling in his head, bursting through his pores and trickling over his sunburned hands in sweat strands, reeking of salt and the fetter of fetulence. Buildings, scattered and arbitrary at first, sprout from the ground as he approaches, but when he continues, they shift, reorganizing themselves in the neat rows of a town well established and populated by all accounts. After five more minutes of walking, or what could have been an hour, A wrought iron sign hangs above him. Though it only seems like aimless etchings to his illiterate eyes, he knows all too well the gossip that surrounds the town of Blackchapel, an accursed place that can only be found when it wants to be. A viscous silence seeps from the town's veins, pressing down on his already hunched shoulders as he trudges down the main road. It's then that he feels a shade hanging over him, And as his eyes rove over the town, he sees that it isn't just him, but the town in its entirety enveloped in a languid gray. Curtains flutter in the windows of each building as he passes, and he looks over to see a face peeking just above the window frame of a small house. He sways and attempts to wave, managing to pull a faint hello from his hoarse throat. Hello? A figure creeps up from behind the face and places a hand on its shoulder turning it away from the window and back into the house. Water. Please. The barrel of a double-gauge shotgun slides through a crack in the front door, and he stops, raising his arms above his head as he slowly backs away. All right. He turns and continues down the main road, an orange and purple sky shining through the black shroud hanging over the town, the sun while on its way below the horizon. He passes by a myriad of pristine shops, a post office, and a news printing shop, then stops in front of a vast building with a marquee sprawled across the front, empty aside from elegant etchings indicating its name, though he fails to read them. As he peers at the building, a faint yet distinct sound rises from behind the theater walls. He steps toward the building, closes his eyes, and presses his ears against the cloudy glass door, Something smacks him on the face, a newspaper whirling in the wind, and he opens his eyes. He peels it from his face and gawks at the paper. He lowers it and sees a saloon at the end of the block and a horse trough parallel to the catwalk. He lunges with newfound energy toward the trough, looks inside to see grimy, discolored water, and plunges his head in, taking three massive gulps. Pulling his head out, he splashes a handful of warm water across his face and tries to rub off the exhaustion. He sits, resting his back against the trough and careens his head backwards, savoring the surge of hydration. (laughs) He finds the world well into the night hours, the moon an infectious jaundice orb brewing just above the horizon. It seems close enough for him to reach out and pluck from the heavens. He extends his hand, swimming his fingers across the moon's face, leaving a trail that disintegrates in the wind. When he lowers his hand, he sees a woman walking across the street, garbed in a shredded lace cloak, cradling a baby in her arms. A laugh echoes from the empty black (laughs) face, and she careens her head backward, letting the hood slide down her neck, revealing the face of a vivacious young woman. She watches him, grinning at first, then slowly, her lips peel apart, showing a mouth of serrated yellow teeth. She tilts the baby forward, and his eyes wander down to see it, wide-eyed and smiling the same mouth full of pointed teeth. A noise rattles in the baby's throat, and it spreads its mouth wide, letting out a shrill skirling. The fuck? Sending the man, staggering backward, tripping over the lip of the catwalk behind him. When he leans forward to see the woman and the child, they're gone. His eyes follow the darkness upward to see the black spire looming above the sheet of shadows swelling and contracting with his panting breath. The moonlight mutates from a dull yellow through a spectrum of colors resting on a pale crimson. The world around him distorts, stippled with a layer of grain like black dust against the pulsing red light. An unintelligible whisper shoots at him from the dark street corner, and a hunched figure scampers toward the spire across the intersection and down the conjoining road. He presses his knuckles into the dirt and stands holding his breath, his heartbeat echoing off the buildings scattered among the thoroughfare. Another whisper, more guttural than before, slowly rises from the rooftop behind him, and another answers from the street corner. A breeze blows past him, ruffling his shirt as a blob of shadows rushes next to him, the stench of rotten earth and sweet iron lingering in its wake. The figure joins with another across the thoroughfare and they both disappear into the darkness toward the spire. Unknowingly, he steps toward the dark road gliding across the dirt and stops before the wall of black surging ink. The shadows burst, slithering over the buildings around him, swallowing the town. He extends his arms forward, allowing the black tendrils to pull him over the threshold. As he drifts down the road, the spire creeps into focus, illuminated by the thick moonlight finally revealing itself to be a steeple made of blackened iron. A statue of a holy man nailed to a cross dangles at the top, though his name slips the man's mind specks of silver across the holy man's face hopeless and tired glint in the red light and the crown of thorns on his head has begun to rot away a result of the harsh colorado winters it's been forced to endure as the man looks the holy man's eyes droop in a pool of iron syrup and the skin swirls across his face sagging at the chin pulling the face into an inordinate smile Pieces drip from his fingers and cross feet like globs of mud onto the stairs below, disappearing in ripples across the concrete. A grandiose door stands at the landing of a small staircase adorned in brass ornamentation and stained glass murals of saintly figures he recognizes, though he doesn't know by name. Their eyes follow him as he ascends the stairs, his legs weighed down by the gelatinous concrete sticking to the heels of his boots. At the top of the stairs, he places a hand on the door handle and a wave of foreboding washes over him. He pauses, eyeing the loose flakes of white paint peeling from the door, takes a long breath, and then turns the handle. Inside, scattered pillars of moonlight stab through holes in the roofing, illuminating sparse pews and sections of the aisle a massive upside-down wooden cross hangs on the wall behind the altar splintered and covered in dark droplets of an unknown substance a flood of shadows creeps from the altar crawling across the stained glass walls one breaks from the mass and darts toward the entrance the man turns toward the door and runs attempting to reach the entrance first but in his peripheral, he sees the shadow moving far too fast and the door slams shut. He freezes, peering into the darkness. Eventually, his eyes adjust and a long, lanky silhouette, vaguely human, stands in front of the door, cloaked in shadow. Its eyes glow like that of a feral cat and its raspy breath rumbles off the church walls. Dear God. The man turns to see a figure walking toward him. A cloud of shadows hangs over its shoulders and it reaches its arms out, palms up and head cocked. I see no god here, my child. God holds no dominion over these parts. It is I to whom you should pray, for it is only I who can grant you mercy. Who are you? It swivels its head and closes its eyes, basking in the fear radiating from the man. There are many names that which only the wind can pronounce properly, for I am as ancient as the tides of the ocean and all that lies beneath. Are you the devil? No, I am not. I am but a forgotten nightmare conjured by him and his princes of hell before there was time. Are you going to kill me? We shall see. It swivels its head, shuddering in the touch of moonlight, eyes intently watching the man with a smirk across its face. When it's within a few feet, the man sees that the shadows over its shoulders are bat-like wings, veins bulging from the skin frayed along the edges. Slowly, it reveals a smile of rotten, serrated teeth hanging from thin black gums. It reaches its hand out to the man and caresses his cheek with its long, black fingernails. First, we have to decide if we enjoy the way you taste. This episode of Bearstone County was written, produced, performed, and scored by Luke Mott. Sound designed by Vera Mott. And Luke Mott. All third-party sound effects are credited in the show notes. We will be back soon with our eight episode arc, The Incident at Cleary Farm in the very near future and look forward to its release. So stay tuned, Happy Halloween, and thank you for listening.